Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to part two of Pernille Rep's story and special guest interviewer, my wife. By the sounds of things, she might be taking over this podcast. Check it out. What's up, y'all? My name is Gary, and welcome to the second season of It's Personal. Okay, good. This is going to be really dope, but I don't want any <laughs> Putting yourself out there as practitioners, we're growing and Not at all. My name is Kwame Mbalia. Uh, I'm an author. Hey, I'm Padma Venkatraman, the author of The Bird Home. Sure, yeah. My name is Natasha um, Diaz. Code switching and all those things. I mean, all, all of that. All the time. I mean, he's still on the road all the time, but you know, like, as a new mom, She was born my first year of teaching. And uh, I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to go back. And he was like, well, you know, I know it's summer vacation. Like, you're going to you know, be home with Dan. I was like, no, I, I don't think I'm going to go back. I don't think this was the dream that I was supposed to pursue. And and we had a conversation about it. And in that conversation, he said, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you can't change the kids, but you can change the way you teach. And for me, that was such a moment of like, why hadn't I thought of that? Like, I kept forgetting to look at myself. And I feel like there's, the system of education is partially to blame. We are so quick to go, well, what's wrong with the kids? And the kids aren't getting this. And there's been, look at this behavior data and, and look at what this kid decided to do. And rather than to go, well, what, what's happening with me? What conditions am I creating so that this is, this is the result? Because that's vulnerable, right? And that makes you feel less than, and I know that when I was hired as a teacher, I felt this immense pressure to have it all figured out because that's why they chose me. You know, back in 2008, when I got hired, there was like 500 candidates for each job. This was back when we still had a lot of teachers in Wisconsin. Now we have like 30 if we're lucky. Um, but I felt this pressure to have it all figured out and to never ask for help. And, 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 that, and that questioning was a weakness. And so that summer, I really unraveled a lot of that, and I kept talking to my husband about it, Brandon. And um, is he and a teacher? He's actually studying to be a teacher. He wanted to be a teacher 20 years ago, and then life got in the way, and he ended up being an architectural designer. But now life has realigned, and he's got one more year to go. And then, you know, hopefully, we're thinking about Pretty going cool. international. So we'll see you out there somewhere, but. Um, he was the one that said to me, have you thought about writing? He knew that I loved writing and he's like, you know, there's these blogs um, where teachers are sharing. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole of, of reading people's thoughts. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. And uh, I, the first blog post I wrote was like nothing earth shattering. It was just like, I need to get these thoughts out of my head and here I go. And people read it and it wasn't my mom. And that was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> and then it was like, I'm now going to take everything that I sit and I think about and I'm just going to put it out in the world, not so much so that others can go, oh, she's so smart, but more so I, so others can go, oh, I worked through that and here's what I did. And so for me, the blog, which is coming up on 10 years now, is just like Pernille's random thoughts and also Pernille's accountability to the world. This is the type of teacher I say I'm going to be. 
So if you were to walk by our classroom in Oregon, Wisconsin, this is what you should be expecting to see. And uh, it's been cool, right? Because it's been 10 years of reflecting and it's 10 years of change. And I was so sure I had it all figured out 10 years ago uh, when I first started writing. I knew how teaching should be fixed. <laughs> and I think and I think what I know now is how little I knew. And, uh, and I think it's been really important for me to continue to show the growth and to show the uncertainty and to show the failures and to show the vulnerability that comes with being a public teacher in that way. And I think about it, my life has greatly changed. And obviously I know you now because of this, but um, it comes with amazing things and it comes with really hard things. But I continue to write because otherwise I can't sleep. Like it just runs around in my head. And that's why too, there's no theme to what I write. It's really just like whatever's going on in my world right now. And, uh, and I write for myself. Wow. I don't, I don't write for others. And then and who knows? edit your blogs, right? So you've written it, you have it. And then I say to Gary, it's hard for me to write a blog because you, you don't perfect a blog and you don't, and I'm someone who'll want to fix it a couple of times. Do you, so you don't do any fixing. It's the first draft. It's the first draft. You write so beautiful. <laughs> but that's why they're spelling mistakes, right? And then like, and, and, and I'll get flack for that. Like I, I still remember a couple of years ago, I'd written a really emotional blog post. Not, I can't remember what it was about, but something that was like really hard for me to write about, but I knew I needed to write about it. And someone uh, put a comment on the blog and they said, I would love to share this with my colleagues, but I can't get past your spelling mistakes. Wow. And I just, and I, and so I went back and I often will do that. Like when I have hit published like the next day or later that day, I'll go back and like grab whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also thought to myself, English is my second language. And this is how you're choosing to handle my words. And it made me think about the comments we make for students writing, right? How often we are so eager to fix and to make it better that we forget about the human heart that sits within that writing. And, uh, and so, yeah, the blog is the first draft and the blog is really just random thoughts. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer where I'm trying to like be super useful, but I typically don't love those folks very much because then I feel like I am trying to write for an audience and then I feel like it gets really inauthentic really quickly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that i think i think you do you're honestly one of the my favorite people online because um i feel like i love twitter because i get a lot of everything i get like the personal um the characters i get the pd through like the websites um and then i love your instagram because you're constantly just sharing books i um, mean you can ask like both of us have this issue of seeing books online and wanting to order them and like we have all these books that we haven't read yet but like for like honestly i love how you're doing um social media um as an educator i think all of us can learn so much from you um so i really i think we both just really appreciate um that on like a person-to-person -person level not even just like as teachers and educators yeah but also like as teachers you know sometimes there's things that i feel and believe about like my teaching and the kids in that room, and I know we're, this is what we're doing and it's good, but to have to articulate it, you know, to other people, mm -hmm. I don't always have the language for it. Like, I believe in read-alouds because it is good for them, because studies show, like, but I can't articulate it, especially like 
if I'm kind of being asked and I'm not prepared for mm -hmm. it. So I think you also provide like the language to articulate the things that are important Agreed. Agreed. in education and reading. Especially. I think I, I, th I stand on the shoulders of so many others, right? And I think that that's what's so beautiful about this, that in this world where we can be connected, it is so important to also recognize that this isn't the perennial show. This isn't Pernille's original ideas, you know, some of it is, but most of it is like because someone else took the time to share their research, to share their thought process, to share that one idea. And I think that when we can recognize how much value there is in the collective, and we can walk away from this idea that some people have more value and more worth, I think that that is going to be a really good day because I see a lot of posturing online and I just, I've had to recognize within myself that it's easy to get trapped into that, to think that you are a lot more important than you really are, especially when you leave the classroom. And I say that to my students all the time. If I were on the road personally, uh, on the road all the time teaching teachers, I would think I was a lot better teacher than I really am. But my seventh graders keep it real. <laughs> Those beautiful things that I concoct, and then I take it into the classroom, and they look at me, and they're like, "This is so dumb." <laughs> no, that's what keeps it real. And so I think when we as a collective can see the value and worth that everybody brings, and that what may be revolutionary to someone, even if it's not revolutionary to me because I discovered that or did something similar seven years ago, that doesn't mean that it's less revolutionary to the person discovering it now. And I think we need to like hold that up more. I think we're really quick to be like, well, yeah, it's not long. You haven't gone deep enough or you haven't done enough. And I think that that also scares a lot of people from sharing their, from sharing what they're doing because they feel like it's not enough. If it's a step, it's enough, right? Like, if you're changing, it's enough. Keep yeah. walking on that path. That was a weird, sorry, that was a weird interject. No, that was perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I have one, I have one more. Do you have a question, another question? Yeah, I, have, right? I have one more question, and I think I want to go back to it just because you've mentioned him a lot. Um, and I think his name's Brandon. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously, he is um, a very special part of your life. Um, and I think my question is, uh, what does he mean to you? And um, how do you keep that love, like, continue to flow and continue to be a spark? Because it seems like it's still there. When you mention him, I can see yeah. the smile <laughs> and the excitement. Yeah, very much, you know, 19 years. And uh, I'm not an easy person to be with, and I recognize that because I'm stubborn and headstrong and I feel like I have really good ideas. And yet when I met him, he was actually, he became my best friend. We were both in relationships and uh, he rode a motorcycle and had tattoos and, <laughs> you know, was smart and funny. And uh, we met at a country Western bar that we both worked at. I was the bartender and he was the bouncer. And, and when you work at a country Western bar in the Midwest, there's a lot of flights and a lot of people really like to get drunk. And Brandon would never, never use force. Like he was just always like, this is not the choice you want to make, you know, like very Jedi Knight. Um, I was, I remember feeling really safe with him. And so when we finally did, you know, get out of our relationships and start dating, he put me in my place in the best of ways, but he also holds me up. And I think that that's been such a cornerstone of our, our marriage. And he tells our kids and we tell our kids like, 
we are both strong-willed and stubborn and we see that as a as a value and uh, in each other and he's smart and interesting and sees the world in a different way than I do and he's curious and he's very passionate about making the world better just like I am and he's also like really good at things that I'm not good at and I think that that's really powerful and so when I think of when I think of our relationship and not just our marriage but like our commitment to each other it's something that I'm incredibly proud of and when I when I think of him becoming a teacher I'm so excited because really most of my great teaching decisions have come from conversations wow. with him you know and so when people say how do you do it all well I have Brandon and he's got my back and he he will tell it to me straight but he'll still love me even when I screw up and I think that that's so important and he's he's my meter of uh, am I being a good person or not and so for him to become a teacher now and, and he was a kid that didn't like school and, and where school was not a home for him and so he didn't see any value until he got to junior year in high school and uh, now that he's going to be with kids I just think that that's going to be so powerful because I see how he is as a father and I hope that my kids, my three daughters, or our three daughters and our son, that they find a partner like him that compliments them mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to us. And so, I, I don't know, I just, how did I get so lucky, right? Like, he truly, truly is my better half and, and, my, and my rock. And I just have so much to offer to the world because of what he sees in me. And I think he's seen a lot in me that I haven't seen in myself until he held up that mirror. Wow. And I wish that on anybody. Wow. Yeah. That was beautiful. I'm a romantic at heart, so I'm sure would be like, oh, dear God. Yeah. That is We're not going to keep you that much longer. Um, Nguyen, do you have any other questions? Well, maybe one, like, so when you were teaching, like, how did, okay, I'm going to blog. From this blog, I'm going to create this initiative. From this initiative, I'm going to write books. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> Organically, um, the Global Read Aloud started the same year as I started blogging, and uh, the Global Read Aloud was because we were listening to NPR driving on a summer night, and they were talking about the One Book, One World program happening with Neil Gaiman's uh, American Gods, and I turned it up because I love Neil Gaiman, and I was like, someone should do that with kids, and according to the myth of the Global Read Aloud, Brandon turned to me and said, why don't you? <laughs> and so I did. He says this conversation never happened, but I know that my memory is way better than his. <laughs> but, um, and so that's how the Global Read Aloud started. It just was this initiative. And uh, then other people jumped on it. And it was, it was and is very organic, right? And, and was never meant to be a truly <laughs> global spanning project with millions of kids in it. And I'm glad I didn't know that because I don't think I would have done it had I known how big it would be because I would have been too scared and I would have had a lot of imposter syndrome of I shouldn't do this. Somebody much more talented and much more worthy should do it. And uh, instead it's mine and I own it. And the book, they, um, I contacted a publisher, a, a publisher, a small little publisher had sent out a call and had said like, hey, we're starting kicking out this publishing. We're looking for educators that want to share their voice. And I remember thinking to myself, how dare I send them an email? But I was like, maybe there's something here. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I can write something that will help others ask questions of their own teaching. That was really it. It wasn't like teach like Pernille. It was 
ask your students and how can we get more student voice and how can we change the systems and how can we reflect on ourselves and that book became passionate learners and then it was sold on to another publisher um, and then it just kind of like snowballed after that. I remember the first time, you know, and this is about paying it forward too. And I think about that. I was sitting at a conference here in Wisconsin, our state technology conference, and Dean Shiretsky was the keynote speaker. And I'd met Dean through Twitter. And so I finally got to meet him in real life. And he, and we're sitting and having like a cup of tea. And cause I was just like, oh my God, it's Dean Shiretsky. Like he's so <laughs> cool. He's so smart. And he's so kind. He's such a great guy. And he goes, why aren't you out speaking? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm in my classroom. And he's like, no, no, like you should be out speaking. And he pulled out his phone and he sent an email to uh, a friend of his. And he was like, you need Cornell for your conference. Wow. And didn't even think about it. And two months later, I get this random email and was like, hey, do you want to come to San Francisco and speak? And I was like, wow. is this thing? And then like that, I don't, I think there's like, I don't think people knew and I didn't know that speaking was a thing like that was something other people did and then that kind of opened the floodgates right of like oh you can come and speak and so that's been really interesting to navigate because I, I often am like who am I to come in and take up space in your world and also being a white woman and then navigating that that you know if I come and I speak whose space am I taking um, whose voice can I uplift? Whose voice can I give power to? And I think that that's been really important for me to real, realize and recognize that the privilege that is wrapped up in my skin and in my upbringing and in my, in my socioeconomic status. And then going, okay, so people have paid the, paved the path for me. Who can I bring with me now? Not because it's a competition, because it's not, but it's because we are all going to be better if we have better representation and more voices present. And also because I'm not the authority on many things. Um, and so that's how it all started. And it's who to thought, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I was just talking to friends last night and they're like, what, what kind of education degree do you have? And I was like, Bachelor of Science. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like you don't have a master's? And I was like, no, I have four kids that kept coming. And that was my master's running around over here. Wow. But I think about that, right? Like that now the books kind of supersede having a master, but I still feel like an imposter. Which so is I'll go back so, to school. It's so funny, right? Like to us, to me, that's crazy. Really, you do like the the way you have infiltrated everywhere and changed reading. What reading looks like in a classroom, like that is huge, and you don't see that, or you, or maybe you do, and like just like, I think I have goosebumps because even the way we do read alouds all through you and like mm -hmm. and the way we talk about picture books and why do we need picture books and like advocating for more picture mm -hmm. books like so it is it is something to hear someone who has made such huge impacts have feelings of i'm an imposter because it we feel those moments and go we can't who are we but hey perneal feels it like we should just toss that word out <laughs> and just like not oh, every, every, every day who am i to think that my opinion has more value or worth who, who am i to say this is a way to do it especially because there's so many people out there doing incredible work and where i feel like i'll never live up to the work that they do and therefore my work doesn't have value my voice and it's something i've really had to navigate and i think a lot a lot of us have had to navigate where it's like because it's not a competition and because many people are on different parts of their journey, 
they're going to find value where they need it and then that's going to move them further in their journey and that we need to celebrate how many people are out there sharing and that's why i say to people all the time too how are you sharing how are you impacting the world because it wasn't a, i mean i was given space to speak but it was because i was already speaking and so nobody's going to come and say to you hey i'm going to give you a book deal and you haven't been doing anything but carve out your own space and make it authentic and make it because you're going to grow as an educator or you're going to grow as a human being and you're going to share that with the world and then people will find you because good work rises above yes there's still a lot of like you know self promotion and people doing that and that's also going to be there but i think that the the things that i keep coming back to are the people who put their hearts on their line and where you can see how much it matters whether they're in the classroom or not that they are out there trying to make it better for everyone and that they're willing to say i don't have all the answers i have so much to learn but here's what i've learned along my journey and that's really what i see now for myself is this here's what i've learned so far and come along with me and and start your own journey or continue on your journey and if you can use the mistakes that i have made in order to better yourself maybe you won't have to make those same mistakes and so yeah i don't feel like i have any authority to say anything and so i'm always surprised when people say they use my ideas cuz i still think of like my blog is like my mom reaching it reading it you know, <laughs> and then and her going i'm so proud of you <laughs> for now we're um both so of us we we are um just very very grateful and um thankful for your time um I'm your yeah your work I think it's an honor to just be able to have the conversation with you about education about life and I'm we thank you for just opening up about um things that I think teachers um aren't often asked about um and that's one of the reasons why I like this podcast so much because I get to know the person behind the screen and I think part of that is because I do I know that someday we will see each other and in see real life. Yes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So again, just very very thankful. Um we appreciate your time. Um so cool. It was really really um really fun and it felt very natural. Um so thank you. Thank you very very much. But thank you for putting yourself out in the world and for you for pushing you know both of you you're you're now changing education on a global scale so thanks for allowing me to be a part of that because you know you have so much worth and value and i i just i appreciate the work that you do and you know i'm i'm nothing special like you were more than welcome to come to my classroom and and see it oh, <laughs> that yeah. would be fun because, <laughs> can i just say figure it all out right <laughs> in room 203 the door is always open we're trying to figure it out and make it better right but take care and i'm serious if you think of anything for ncp we have until what is it january 15th i think it would be amazing i would love to present with you if you're coming so let me know oh. i don't know what no i'm serious like yeah. i know i'm taking yeah. i'm hearing this <laughs> i mean because i think about like we could do stuff on like promoting authenticity in education like you could talk about your podcast but also the work that you're doing in your school you could talk about international schools i think we need a lot more because like for example like we said like with international schools right how do you how do you show your journey and your flaws when you're within a system that is not supposed to be flawed because of the parents and listening
Hey, what's up everyone? I just wanted to come and check in and let you know about some updates. Me and my wife happened to put in a proposal with Jess, Fifth, and Perneal for NCTE 2020 and it got accepted. If all goes well, we will all be presenting NCTE 2020. That's it for today. Stay kind, stay blessed. 